I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. مرحباً بكم في أيلين بادكات. لو في يو. Crazy. Yeah, no, you keep going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna record as he's, as he's playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, go time! All right, here we go. A A Ron, representing the Line Podcast here out on a little street here in Morocco, Esuera, hanging out with my new homies. Um, they're all they're all getting high on some hashish and playing the how do you call the instrument? Gumbri, gumbri, the gumbri, and uh, yeah, we got weed whacker motorcycles cruising by here, and it's just fantastic this place. Um, today, what did we talk about? Talk to Mr. Ryan Ford. Fantasticness, really radical conversation. Ryan Ford is a ninja in the realm of parkour. He is a is a giant in this world. He has uh, multiple parkour gyms all over the place, all throughout Colorado and California. Uh, he's the man when it comes to parkour world. Uh, in this conversation, we got into actionable details on how you can become more ninja-like in your body and your mind. We got into how to develop a functional foundation of movement and how to break the heck out of linear movement and get into some more ballistic, dynamic radness like my stony homeboys here in this random street in Asuera, Morocco. I want to challenge everyone to start, you know, looking around and remembering what it was like to be a kid. Uh, you know, when you're walking down the streets or from your car to the mall or whatever, like find a curb and balance on it. Step over a bench here and there. Every now and then vault over a rail. You know, climb a tree for once. Remember what it was like to be a kid. Some stuff that's going on in this world. Uh, first of all, thank you so much to the people that are playing music in the background. That's rad. Um, what's going on in this world? Something that uh, <laughs> was worth the price of admission of this whole entire journey across the world here was um, staying with my buddy Abdu and his mother. She suffered some kind of horrible accident, brain trauma, something or another. Had brain had a brain surgery. And now, since then, she is not able to poo like everyone else, squatting all the way down to the ground like a human is supposed to do. So now, because of the brain surgery, she squats like an American, and they set her up so that she can squat down in like in a normal toilet. That is what happens when you suffer a traumatic brain injury in Morocco. You poo like an American. What the freak? <laughs> what's, 
<laughs> we gotta think about this, people. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate your time and your life. Uh, be sure to check out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. Uh, on there, you'll find the blog. You'll find hundreds of free videos on functional movement and self-care. Um, check out the self-care kit. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, foam roller, hollow, inside you got balls, bands, everything you need to keep that tissue functional and fantastic for the rest of your vida. Uh, vida, Spanish for life. And as well, enjoy your life. Smile. Read lots of books. Move your body all the time. Get down. Get into it. Uh, uh, uh. Other fun fact. Super fun fact. And then we'll move on to the show. I promise. I'm going to shorten these intros up. Um, the treadmill. Recently learned about the treadmill. The background story in the early 1800s. The treadmill was utilized by the English for to torture prisoners and get work out of them. That's messed up. I gotta turn the game down. My microphone yelling at you. Um, that's pretty impressive. That we are now <laughs> paying gymnasiums fifty bucks a month to go use what used to be a English torture device to create energy for the town. So the treadmill actually originally comes from running a mill in a prison. And now we're doing it. Now we're paying to do it. <laughs> All right. That's it. Utilize the Amazon portal. I appreciate that. That's fantastic. I'm planning on uh, getting the heck out of modern civilization and heading into Africa is the plan now. I'm going to go to uh, Senegal, possibly go through Mauritania, Senegal, then the Gambia. And plan is to shake my not-so-African booty on the, on the beach and uh, play some drums eat lots of small fish, and get weird is the goal. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate you, and uh, enjoy your life. Peace out. Align Podcast. Weird, unique, creative questions. Right. That's all. <laughs> Let's go straight to PCP. Um, yeah, I would Art like to... Or drugs, do they mix? I think that's an incredible question, and my, I say yes, but that's, that's a separate subject. Uh, so we, uh, I would like to mention the history of parkour just because I think it's, it's interesting, but it's not, so, I by no means need to want to be like going deep into that. I just think it's kind of yeah. interesting. Or I could talk about the history on the intro or something like that. Anyway, let's just go. Yeah, let's see it. Yeah. All right, cool. So Ryan Ford, thank you so much for coming on, man. I, uh, have been, I am total crap. At parkour, but nonetheless, I'm posing like I like I, I am sometimes when I go to like the playground and jump off of stuff that I probably shouldn't be and like almost pseudo hurt myself. So I'd like to break down today what the heck parkour is, how we can not hurt ourselves, how we can get more exploratory with our movement, and I want to make sure that folks listening have a sense that park. I think parkour. I was talking to Carl Pally yesterday. Familiar Carl Pally. Oh yeah, all right, sweet, yeah. sweet dude. I, I I quite enjoy Carl, and uh, we're one of the things that we were talking about. He's got his book out called Freestyle, and we were talking about at what point do you get into improvisation with your movement practice? At what point do you get out of the pull-ups, get out of the push-ups, get out of the bicep curls, and like actually go do something? It's not training right. anymore. We're actually we're just having fun, you know. And one of the yeah. things that he said that I thought was really cool was 
you're improvising as soon as you stand up. You know, it's like just you balancing in place. Like that is a, a, a very, you know, it's a pretty complex athletic feat, you know, and yeah. everyone has their individual style on how we move, how we stand, how we express ourselves in these bodies. You know, so I think that parkour, it's like, whoa, that's crazy. He jumped over a building. It's like that. That's very cool. You know, most people probably don't need to do that. You know, you can start expanding your personal expression with baby steps right now. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that that kind of brings up a couple random thoughts I have. First off, yeah, I guess, you know, everybody is improvising to some extent. And then if you really think about it, who are the best improvisers of all? And I would say kids. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, they think that parkour is too crazy for them or they see these YouTube videos, they have these misconceptions and they think it's not for them. But honestly, every single person used to do parkour. They used to improvise. They used to be a kid running around like crazy on the playground and climbing trees, jumping on benches and rocks. And really at its root, parkour is just, you know, exploring your environment through movement, seeing what you're capable of running, jumping, climbing, crawling, you know, all this stuff put together. And as we grow a little bit older, we forget how to do that kind of stuff and we move away from it. And then that's when you see all these other, you know, side, negative side effects that kind of go along with that. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, anyone thinking about trying parkour or maybe you think it's too hard or crazy for you, that's not true. Um, it's just a matter of relativity. Like somebody, somebody might take a parkour class and I would have them learning how to just simply duck under a rail or step over a waist high box, you know, super low impact, taking their time under you know very good controlled environments it's it's not dangerous at all especially right. with a good coach if you know what you're doing um, they could be learning that basic stuff but i have another kid over here who's been training with me for you know five six years he's working on double backflip if both of these people are putting the same amount of effort in and they're both trying really hard and over time they both accomplish their goal or their thing that they're working on they both accomplish the same amount you know like relatively and that's what it's about. Parkour is building upon your own foundation, not, you know, I'm not going to throw somebody into backflips and roof gaps on their first day. It's about learning how to crawl, learning how to land and fall and roll and then balance and jump. And we build up from low to high and simple to complex. And, you know, just a lot of same um, themes that you see in very, you know, other developed kind of fitness methodologies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I was before I was talking with you, I was looking at this video and it was called, uh, what was it? El parkour antes del parkour, which is like, is the parkour before parkour, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah. and, it, and it was, it was really interesting. It was like these old, you know, old black and white video and it was like early 1900s or something like that. And all these guys that were like born in the 1800s and really just, it was cool to see how similar it was. You know, is that the guy who's like stemming up the building with a, like a little kid on his back or something? I don't remember that, that one specifically. I got to part one. I, there's, there's other parts to it apparently, but yes, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that we even had to put a name on it. Like this is something that's been around for you know infinity. I mean, just moving through your environment, escaping, reaching, applying it to an emergency situation, applying it to a playful situation. This is parkour. And um, it's, it's weird that nobody really thought to, you know, 
take it a little bit further, take it to that next level until like relatively recently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and also I think that again, like the labels parkour has kind of a, a bit of an intimidating, I, I don't know. I think it has a, a little bit of an intimidating meaning to it. Cause most people think of it again, is what you see on the YouTube, you know, but like the original right. thing, I know, I know you don't want to talk too much about the history of parkour, <laughs> but the original, what I was looking up from the, the original guys was it was, it was the natural method, her George Herbert or Jorge, however you say his name. Yeah. George Herbert. George Herbert. Right. And so it originally came from that guy. And he was in the Navy, and there was some volcanic eruption, and he had to save all these people. And all of a sudden, it became relevant on how to move through a potential disaster situation. You know, it's like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you're on the right track there. Um, I would I'd make a couple little changes, but Please. George Chabert <laughs> is kind of the guy who, you know, a lot of people trace the roots or the inspiration of parkour back to him. And he was a French naval officer, traveled the world, you know, working with indigenous cultures um, in the Caribbean, in Africa. And what he noticed was that these people were incredibly fit, regardless of having no actual, you know, fitness regimen. These guys don't lift weights just to work out. They were doing, you know, like crawling, climbing, carrying, lifting, running, jumping, just as part of everyday life. And so... He, he kind of took that idea of like, hey, you guys, we can do this stuff anywhere. We just need to go back to our roots, you know, um, working out naturally, the natural method. And he brought it back to France and incorporated it into um, schools and then also the military obstacle courses during the French Vietnam War. Um, specifically, one of the soldiers in that French Vietnam War who would train on those obstacle courses was Raymond Bell. He later had a kid, David. And David and his friends, including Jan and Sebastian, and, you know, there's a whole group of them. They um, originally were called the Yamakaze, and they kind of came up with this style of movement, applying it to an urban environment, um, also natural environments, but developing what we now know as parkour. And so going from the natural method to the French Vietnam War, military obstacle course training eventually to parkour in the mid 1980s in the suburbs of Paris, France, and then eventually, you know, expanding out to the rest of Europe and the rest of the world from there. Right. Appreciate the history lesson. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's of course the summarized version, but right. Yeah. So my, so my curiosity for folks is I would like to see people be able to merge the training in the gym to the just freestyle life movement. And so I, th- I feel as though once you get to the point that your life becomes therapeutic, that you've hacked your movement practice to the point that just everything that you do makes you have the six pack or whatever it is that you're looking for out of your, out of your, your gym practice. You know, so I, do you have any tips for folks that it kind of likes to start to make that convergence? Do you agree that that's relevant? I'm sure you do. Oh yeah. I, I tell everyone, I mean, this is kind of the theme I've already been talking about. One thing I like to tell people is like, I don't care if you want to be the next parkour all-star, you know, like that's not for everyone. Not everyone wants to constantly face their fears and put themselves in, you know, these intense situations where they're doing highly athletic movements and stuff like that. It's not for everyone. But regardless of what what you think about that, I want to challenge everyone to start, you know, looking around and remembering what it was like to be a kid. 
you know, right. when you're walking down the streets or from your car to the mall or whatever, like find a curb and balance on it. Step over a bench here and there. Every now and then vault over a rail. Right. You know, climb a tree for once. Remember what it was like to be a kid when sometimes if you go to a playground, you'll see all these kids playing on the playground and you see all these adults just like sitting there being really bored. Right. And it's kind of insane to me like, not only would it be really good for you to get up and do something on that playground, but it would also be really cool for your kid to actually get to play with you on the playground. Right. And so it's like, you know, just tap into your inner child. Like if you have a kid, study your kid. Kids don't count calories. They don't, right. you know, they're not trying to accomplish anything necessarily with their fitness. They're just having a good time. They're exploring their own potential. And we need to remember what that is like and apply that to our own life. And in that sense, you are kind of practicing parkour, even if you are, you know, really serious about it. Right. And there's a huge psychological element to this as well. You know, I, th I think that a midlife, oh, yeah. I think a midlife crisis, I kind of experienced like the world's smallest pseudo midlife crisis when I, when I got really focused on creating the online bloody blah, 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 you know, you and, look pretty good for 50 years old. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Right. <laughs> so, but so, so, but the experience was in the past and in the present now I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting it back, you know, but in the past, like rock climbing and surfing and just general, like climb a mountain every day. Like what else would I do? I lived in Boulder, you know, it was like, what, what else would I do with my day? It wasn't like this, like, I'm going to go climb and it's going to be good for my biceps or whatever, you know? And it's yeah. like, then stepping away from that movement for a little bit and being in a wintry place and like working on the computer a lot, you know, starting to feel, oh my God, I feel like my my body, this vehicle isn't as precise, as fantastic, as athletic, as as amazing as it was, which ends up to me spinning me off in this weird psychological freak out, you know. But I, I think that that's what when when you go to the playground, adults have this feeling like I'm too old for this. I can't do that. I don't I don't do that. I'm, yeah. I'm 40. I, I would look. People are gonna think I'm a pedophile if I'm playing <laughs> with the kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's that's actually a pretty frequently asked question in parkour is people are definitely worried about their image. Like when they go outside and they want to train or they want to practice some parkour stuff they saw online, they get really self-conscious because it's it's like, oh my God, you're running outside? Like, how dare you? You look so dumb. Like, why would you do that? You can't run or jump here. Like, what are you doing? And that's that's something you do have to get over, but... If you think about it from like flip it around and think about it from the other perspective, it's almost the opposite. Like these people who are just sitting around and judging you for actually, you know, like playing around and having some fun and um, challenging yourself physically and mentally, if they're the ones not doing that and thinking that's weird, that's actually the weird thing. Right. You know, um, I think it's it's so backwards what our society has kind of you know um, put on put upon themselves as far as limitations. Yeah, Sigmund Freud coined, I, I, I guess we could say he coined the concept and he used to call it uh, an oceanic feeling. And that was like an immature, don't fact check me on this. <laughs> In case maybe you should fact check me. You know, but he called it an oceanic feeling. And, and like young kids, it's like we're all one. We're all integrated in this one system, right? And then he said, as you start to mature out, you start to lose that fluidity with life and become more in this this artificial construct that we've created for ourselves that we call society, 
You know, it's like when we're all one, it's just like, yeah, be, you know, you see a baby, they put their, their finger and everything. They, they put their mouth on everything. It's, it's all good. You, they stare at each other. It's no big deal to stare at something else at another person because they are you. You know, we're sharing this thing together. But then we end up creating this separation. And now it's like, oh, stay inside your box. Don't be seen. You know, I think that parkour, just weird, funky movement getting out of that, I think there's huge, huge psychological implications to that that go well beyond just, you know, I move a little bit more monkey-like. I think it's bigger than that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, you know. I, I'm saying that it's a frequently asked question about these people being self-conscious about training outside and doing parkour outside. However... When I started back in 2004, now that was weird. Like if you saw a guy doing parkour in 2004, that was pretty unusual and weird. However, nowadays, at least in Boulder, I mean, we're pretty um, open-minded, progressive community here. It might be a little different in other places, but we've hit this tipping point where more people know about parkour than not. And so when we're training outside, it is very common for people to actually come up and be very interested and... They think it's cool and they want to watch and they want to pull out their phones and like film it. They even want to try it or they want to take a business card and like maybe come into an open gym or a class and like it's it's pretty cool. I think people are definitely there's a paradigm shift going on right now. Let's face it, like it's going back away from the Globo gyms, 24 hour fitness and Bally's and all these, you know, the Globo gyms. And we're going back to our roots, like nature knows best kind of thing. Right. Um Back to, you know, like the paleo diet or barefoot running or parkour or even CrossFit is kind of like a gateway to this stuff. Um, It's back toward our roots. Nature knows best kind of thing. People are wisening up to this idea and we're realizing that, you know, we thought we were so smart by creating this, all these crazy technologies in our shoes of torsion control, like extra super padding, this and that, and all these like gimmicky diets and, you know, workout machines and treadmills. We thought all this stuff was supposed to make us better, but it's actually making us worse. And people are realizing that now there's the paradigm shift. The pendulum is swinging back toward more of, you know, a a natural holistic kind of mentality. And I think that's really exciting. And um, that's really great for parkour and a lot of other, you know, similar things like this. Right. Yeah. And so I, I feel like there is a responsibility to the people that have kind of drank the Kool-Aid of it's okay to move kind of funny. You know, I I know you're out there, you know, and and probably a high percentage of people listening to this show are in that realm, you know, and I think that it's very important for folks listening to spread this, you know, and, and put it upon yourself to, to get a, get funny, get weird, you know, like the normalcy is broken. Normalcy is killing us. You know, it's like the more that we can step outside of that box and say, it's good. It's totally good out here. You know, like yeah. the more people that can do that, all of a sudden it's like, the, you know, the collective unconscious, the momentum starts to spread that, you know, it's totally okay to crawl underneath a wheelbarrow or call whatever, you know, whatever your kid's doing, follow him. It's okay. Yeah. And it, but it shouldn't even be viewed as weird. What? What I or what you are doing is actually the normal thing, you know? Right. We just have this twisted, contorted idea of what's normal based on, um, you know, the pendulum swinging too far and now it's coming back the other way. Right. Yeah. So as far as actionable tips to help people move better in their bodies, I'd like to sneak some of that in there. What about landing? I think landing is a really important 
thing yes. to be aware of. And so a lot of people, it's like, we want to just jump into this, but you don't have a foundation to jump off of a 10 foot blah, blah, blah yet. You know, like how do we start and what's the actual mechanics of landing? Can we talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm actually really glad you asked about that because landings are something that people almost overlook. They like don't even think about it as being right. part of parkour. Right. They're so focused on the vault or the jump or the flip. But what happens at the end of all of those things? You jump and then you land. You flip and then you land. You vault and then you land. And so almost everything you do in parkour requires a landing of some sort. And if your landings are not on point, like even if they're, you know, 80, 90% of the way there to where they should be, that little bit of 10% where you could have been better, that's going to add up in the long term. And over many months or even years it could take to catch up to you, you can develop some pretty nasty injuries, um, acute and chronic. So like I'm a good example of that. I actually, you know, I came into parkour with some pretty good strength levels from doing a lot of lifting and football. Um, I was also very cautious and intelligent, you know, even though I didn't have a teacher and I was training by myself, I consider myself a very cautious, methodical person. And so I was training pretty smart. However, what I personally lack is um, good ankle mobility. And I had no idea about this until, you know, only the past few years, but my ankles are some of the tightest of anyone I've ever seen. And that ankle mobility or lack of ankle mobility eventually added up to my knees compensating on landings. Right. Um, you know, going upstream, the first place that compensates is going to be my knees. And over a few years of doing parkour, I developed really bad runner's knee, tried everything to fix it, eventually had to get surgery. Um, luckily, it's not as bad as like a torn ACL or anything, but I had to get surgery. And that's something that could have been prevented if I had not only paid attention more to my landings, but considered all of the elements that go into a good landing. So if you're going to land properly, there's strength, there's mobility, and there's technique. And I see this as kind of like a triangle. Like you got to have all three parts to land well. And I was missing the mobility aspect. So yeah, sorry, I got on a little tangent there, but no, great. yes, landings are, they're so critical. Um, and not just in parkour, like you see a lot of other sports like basketball, volleyball, football, um, even like you said you trained at the spot here in Boulder, even yeah. people who go to the bouldering gym, they're very regularly taking these big drops on the pads and not giving, you know, they don't care about the landing. They're not focused on the landing. And actually... I'm coming off of a really bad ankle sprain from the spot bouldering gym as well because I wasn't really, you know, focused on my landing. I went for a big dyno, fell eight feet down to the mats, landed with my ankle rolled on this big pad and boom, put me out for several months. So, um, yeah, landings are the number one career ender of parkour athletes. Um, they're the number one cause of injury. And because of that, um, I've recently gotten really into like corrective exercise and prehab joint prep type stuff. Um, but, you know, this has been something that's become really popular in gymnastics, I think, through, you know, several different coaches and um, methods. But they seem to be more focused generally on like wrists and elbows and shoulders because of all of these crazy things you might be doing on rings or when you're doing handstands or like these, a lot of these gymnastic elements are more focused on the upper body 
However, I think what is way more useful to most athletes would be um, landing type stuff, so joint prep, um, prehab type stuff for the lower body instead of the upper body. I think that whether you do football, soccer, parkour, um, even martial arts, various things like this, it'd be way better to focus on the lower body. Um, in parkour especially, we're seeing lots of ankle sprains, shin splints, knee tendonitis, things like that are pretty common. And so what we need to spend more time on is strengthening our lower body, getting better mobility in the lower body, focusing on good landing technique. And only after we've done these things are we going to be you know, really taking that defensive approach that'll keep us in the game for a long time and make it a sustainable practice over yeah. the long run. Yeah, I'm landing. You mentioned that that most of the uh, career-ending injuries come from landing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like flying a plane. You know, it's like, it seems probably, so obvious. You're probably not going to die right <laughs> while you're flying. <laughs> but when you come down, like that's that's what you need to learn. <laughs> you know? yeah. How do we land this thing? So can you break down like if there's like two or three crucial steps that everyone can apply to them jumping off of a five foot, you know, fence or something right now, going outside and doing this. Like, what do we do? How do we do this now? Yeah. I mean, obviously this is pretty hard to go over just, um, over the internet and a few, a few quick tips, but I will say this. I'll use an example. I actually posted a video of a very well-known CrossFitter, um, I won't bring any names into it, but let's just say they did really well in a broad jump event at the CrossFit Games a long time ago, or several years ago. And there's an actual video of them competing at the CrossFit Games, and they do a jump, and they like sink down, the knees instantly cave in, they like practically bounce off each other as they explode into the jump, and then as they land, again, the knees go in, they like bounce off each other, the other one like reverberates back and forth and it's like it's kind of squeamish to watch because I'm like how are your ACLs not tearing right um so I posted a video and kind of you know made some some comments and um some thoughts about this and I tagged her because I wanted her to see it and hopefully we could correct some of these technical flaws and she at first got a little bit offended because she did see it and took it the wrong way However, we, you know, I, I maintained a level head and we talked it over and eventually she was like, okay, can you send me some more tips? And she was like more receptive about it. But, you know, one of the main things I would have told her is put your feet together when you jump and land. Mm. Um, it's not necessarily going to result in the farthest max broad jump. However, it's going to take away all of that valgus knee collapse right. and the, that potential for a devastating like torn ACL or something like that. Um, so simply like putting your feet together when you land and when you jump, that's a really good, easy thing for beginners to do that can um, take away some bad things that could happen. And then, you know, of course, mastering the air squat. The air squat is your prerequisite for a good landing. Mm. A lot of people just glaze over there like, oh, that's boring. Like I'm here to do, I want to learn parkour. I don't want to learn how to squat. That's boring. But if you have a great um, air squat and then having a really good full squat, is great as well because you need that mobility like I was explaining earlier. So um, just spending a lot of time on technique for the air squat, mobility for a full squat, um, then of course starting to add weight, gaining strength so you can handle these impacts and you know just taking it slow, being smart about things. 
Right. So yeah, something I just released an episode yesterday with a guy named James Earls, and we talked about walking for an hour. Sounds like the most boring thing we could possibly talk about. Yeah. I love it, <laughs> you know, because it's so complex. You know, when you get into just what locomotion is from toe hinge all the way up to your, you know, your, your eyebrows, there's so much going on in that. And if you end up having a limitation at any joint, your whole body will be limited to the degree of whatever, whatever that is. You know, so yeah. if you're limited in your ankle joint, like you had mentioned that you had been, then that's going to impact immediately your toe hinge, immediately your hip extension, immediately the, the amount of rotation you get through your spine up into your shoulder. You know, so yeah. it's like, I think that's, it's such an interesting thing to, to really think, wow, if we simplify this thing, it's like, this is, we can make some huge gains by getting into really small, low hanging fruit. So what did you do to work with your ankles or, or did you work with your ankles? I assume since you're talking about it. Yeah. Um, actually real quick on that same note, I spent a week training with Lee Saxby, who's been a really influential running coach, um, to me. I did his barefoot running certification and it was eight hours a day for five days straight. And at first when I entered, I think I was like, how can we possibly talk about barefoot running right. for 40 hours this week? And what it turned out to be was essentially like a really intensive seminar in biomechanics and barefoot running just happened to be the subject that we would regularly come back to and apply these like biomechanics ideas to. Right. And that was really influential for me. Um, later on and nowadays in my parkour coaching career, we, we teach other coaches, we teach students, um, all kinds of people. And what I really like to emphasize is understanding some basic ideas of biomechanics, like learn about what a force, um, a force time curve might look like when you take a landing versus when you take a landing into a roll. Um, we're spreading out the impact over a longer period of time and distance. That's why people roll. It's better for your body. Um, understanding like a basic idea like that as well as like some basic positional um, ideas and they talk about this in gymnastics all the time but like your hollow versus your arch you know that hip extension um, shoulder flexion and extension and straddle and like all these basic shapes really have a huge um, influence on how we move and if you can create a little bit of that terminology and understanding in your students and um, coaches then they don't necessarily have to, you know, use all the proper names, but if they understand that, they can realize, oh, I want to learn how to do a backflip, but when I do a backflip on the trampoline, I only swing my arms to here and I look like a T-Rex rather than swinging my arms all the way up and opening my hip, hitting that um, arch position before I go into a tuck. So just, you know, really understanding basic movement science, I think is really important for people, whether they're you know, doing CrossFit or gymnastics or parkour or even climbing and like it applies to everything. So anyway, um, what was your question again? <laughs> ankle. No, that, that was wonderful. And I, I have all sorts of stuff that I'd love to say about what you just said, but uh, the ankle range of motion, figuring out how do we, firstly, what is right. good ankle range of motion, you know, and then, and then secondly, how do we recover it if we lack it? Yeah, so I got really obsessed with this, like I said, over the past couple of years because I finally realized and learned that I am like a freak with how tight my ankles are. Um, so what I had to do, did I lose you there? I'm, I'm still here with you. Oh, yeah. froze for a sec. Yeah, so basically I realized I had really tight ankles and I was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? And I researched a lot and... 
Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the wall dorsiflexion flexion test, but you stand, you know, kind of in a lunge next to a wall. You see how far away you can get your toe from the wall while touching your knee and keeping your heel flat. And I have like one inch on both of my legs. Um, from my research, it shows that most PTs and um, doctors and trainers are saying, ideally, you have at least four or five inches. So I'm like 20% of what I should have. And then I started testing all of these athletes and stuff at my gyms. And I realized almost all of the best parkour athletes that I know have ridiculously good ankle range of motion. Mm. And that, that can be seen in their landings and their jumps. If you have really good range of motion in your ankles, you have much quieter, more sustainable, better landings. Right. You can even, you know, like you see a max box jump where people land in that full squat. That full squat position actually helps you jump a little bit higher or jump a little bit farther, you know, max out that distance and height you can get on a jump. So after I realized this, I started, you know, spending a lot more time in a full squat. I started applying all kinds of different, you know, ankle mobility drills to my own practice, working with different bands and, um, you know, weighted stuff, just like walking up inclines, like holding weights. And the problem for me is a lot of the stretches I would see and learn about I didn't feel anything in my ankles um, unless I get all of my weight onto one foot plus extra weight, like even pushing into it. That's when I feel it. Like down in a full squat, I don't even feel it. My ankles are that tight. Mm. So I had to, to take some kind of creative extreme measures to start working on that. Um, and then I blew up my ankle at the bouldering gym. So it was like small steps forward, one major step backward. Right. And only now am I starting to get back to 100% and starting to really like get that mobility back and um, starting to progress it again. Yeah. And so as far as rehab for the ankle then, what did you end up doing? What did you find to be the most effective to get back into parkour as fast as you could? Um, let's see. Well, first off, that was definitely the worst ankle sprain I've ever had. Um, it put me out for several months. Um, however, from day one, you know, I was trying to wiggle my toes. I didn't ice. I didn't take the anti-inflammatories, you know, all that kind of outdated um, stuff that we thought, like, everybody knows, like, oh, you're supposed to ice it. You hurt yourself, immediately throw some ice on there. Take some Advil. Right. But nowadays we're learning, you know, the, the inflammation, the swelling, that's good. That's your body's natural response to heal itself. We want that. And so it's more about, you know, movement and active recovery. I was just wiggling my toes from day one. Right trying to put a tiny bit of weight on it from day one and, you know, slowly pushing it to that level where, you know, it hurts a little bit, but not beyond that. And just being smart about um, it, not, not rushing it too fast, but then getting back into, you know, wrapping it up with um, like a band, moving it all around, doing the ankle circles, starting to walk on my toes and um, do little like toe raises and calf raises and, um, eventually into little, you know, hops and stuff like that. So it was, you know, it doesn't, again, it seems almost like common sense, but a lot of people, they don't know this because there's a lot of kind of outdated um, traditions that we hold close, like the icing and the, the pop a bunch of pills and that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if, I mean, I, there's validity to, to heat, there's validity to cold, there's validity to all that stuff. But I think what we end up doing is ice is almost like, Literally and metaphorically, it stops, you know, and so yeah. what we end up running, getting wrapped up in is like, okay, just, just freeze it, let it chill, let it rest, you know, we don't realize like ice, I think ice is totally fine as long as there's heat, 
as well. Like expansion and contraction. Expansion and contraction yeah. relates to movement. Right, you know, it's like it's it's all the same stuff. You could just move, and you'll get that expansion and contraction, you know. But it's like yeah. people people end up thinking just like just rest it, just don't do anything. It's like oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. What <laughs> most people end up doing just because their mom told them or their gym teacher or whoever told them is they like they hurt themselves. They immediately throw some ice. They start taking Advil. They're like, oh, I better stay off it for six to eight weeks, and they don't do anything, yeah. and it's just. It's really bad. Um, I will admit, actually, the first couple days of this really bad ankle sprain I just had, I had to actually take a couple Advil because I literally couldn't sleep at night. It hurt so bad. Like, it was a serious, serious bad sprain. And I, that's what I tell people nowadays. Like, try to avoid the ice or the, the anti-inflammatories if possible. But if it hurts so bad that it's, like, affecting um, what you need to do, like sleep or something, then, you know, maybe... Maybe you can take a little bit, but try to get off it as soon as possible, which I was off of that after a couple of days. Right. And ice will have analgesic effects, fancy word for it numbs you out. You know, it's the same yeah. thing, same thing with massage. You can get a massage from world's worst massage therapist ever, but they put pressure on the thing and sometimes it doesn't hurt afterwards, essentially because just that, that just by putting deep pressure onto it, it'll have a pain reducing effect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's changing anything. <laughs> You know, like that's what, yeah. that's what we'd like to get into is how do we, how do we change the foundation of this thing so that it has better support in the future? Exactly. You know, so. Yeah. So kind of on that, that same note, um, or back to the original question, like what else yeah. did I do for my ankles? Um, another really big thing I got into recently was plyometrics. Um, just learning everything I possibly could about how to increase your jump because, you know, of course a lot of people in parkour are very concerned with how to get a bigger jump. And the way I, I kind of did all this research and packaged up a program that I could put for my athletes to increase their jump and, you know, a, a really great benefit that I kind of also worked in there without telling them is that it was really geared toward working on better landings as well. So working on some of these, you know, full squat positions and landing mechanics and things like that. So Yes, we're going to get you a bigger jump, but we're also going to teach you to land better as well. Yeah. Um, so what also this kind of led to eventually is um, one of the best um, influences is from as far as like a, a sports science or co coaching standpoint that has been influential on me is Dr. Yuri Verkashansky, uh, Soviet scientist from you know the 70s and 80s who had all these groundbreaking methods and ideas and plyometrics and other um, various ideas. So. I found this book, Super Training, by Mel Sif and Verkashansky, and there's something in the back of the book called, and they don't write this much about it, but it's called Injury Prevention Through Imperfection Training, yeah. and it's this idea that, you know, sport is not linear. You hear all of these trainers at the gym saying, you must not squat with your knees past your toes, or you cannot round your back whatsoever when you squat. Or various little things like this regarding um, alignment and um, posture and positioning. And what really happens in sport, you know, is it's not ideal situations. In the gym, maybe we can control every little thing and keep our back perfectly straight and keep the, note or the, the knees in line with the toes and things like that. But when it comes out to the, the sporting field or the urban environment for parkour, you know, you might slip, you might fall. Um, some dude might slide tackle your knee. And if we want to prevent injuries on the playing field, 
we might also want to spend a little bit of time training up these various like imperfect positions. Right. Um, I think uh, uh, people tend to spend a little bit too much focus on just the perfect ones. But if we can also um, build up a little bit of resiliency with a you know kind of rounded spine. If you watch every parkour guy take a massive jump into a landing, you're going to see slightly rounding of the spine. Maybe not every single time, but quite often. Yet these guys are not herniating their discs. They're not blowing out their backs. So it kind of, it's a little counterintuitive. Like people say you can't round your back when you squat. However, these guys are taking massive drops or massive jumps and their back is slightly rounding. And it's because, in my opinion, over time, you know, they build up the degree or the impact of which they're landing and that they're also developing a little bit of resiliency in that um, quote-unquote imperfect position of a rounded spine. Yeah. And you can apply this idea to like rolling your ankle or letting your knees kind of shoot past your toes when you slip out on a landing or um, go, even going into a slight valgus knee position when you cut or when you dodge a defender on the playing field. And so various coaches have their way of explaining this. There's the whole you know, Ido Portal, improper alignment speech. Um, but the very first time I've heard this talked about it was um, Mel Sif and Verkashansky. Imperfection training is what they called it. And I've gotten really into that idea for parkour because so many times you might land a jump. You might, your foot might slip off. You might find yourself in like a pistol type position with really deep knee flexion, um, one leg shooting out, maybe you're even falling back onto your back, you're sticking an arm out, like who knows what could happen when things go wrong. Right. So I've started getting to some of these exercises like um, the sissy squat and like twisting corkscrew type squats, um, actually, you know, walking around with the ankles slightly rolled, various things like this. And you have to obviously take it very slow because the, the connective tissue in your joints um, adapts at a much slower rate than your muscles. But these are things that over many months and years, you can develop that resiliency to withstand um, that imperfect position when things go wrong, when you slip, when you fall, when that jump was a little bit too big for you and you have to run your back slightly. Yeah. So that's been a, a really kind of interesting field that I've been getting into lately. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, borrowing from Kelly Starr, I don't know, maybe he came up with this, maybe he borrowed this himself, but calling weight training almost like the classical ballet of you know training your movement foundation in the sense is like you know you there's there's more to it than that you know but you when you're in the laboratory the movement laboratory there really getting into you know say a perfectly flat plain deadlift just to have that controlled situation that you can watch all of these different variables and really tighten them up and just to have that but that's not where it stops and that's where we get lost is we end up training. We only do classical ballet. We never get into the modern movement of it. You know, and I think that that's kind of something that it's like not to disregard weight training, but utilize that as a foundation. And then from there, layer on weirdness, you know, make it imperfect. Is that, is that right? Do you agree with that? No, actually, I, I kind of like that analogy you gave right there because one of the best ways I like to explain this sometimes to people is obviously like I'm a football fan. And one of my favorite players growing up was Barry Sanders. And he was known as like that dude who could just juke anyone and evade any defender and had the most amazing cuts and dodges and spin moves. And there's highlight reels of him literally like running through 10 different defenders and nobody can tackle him because he's that shifty and 
You know, he's like a pinball bouncing off everyone. Right. Somebody made a highlight reel of him on YouTube set to like about or like a, a symphony. And it's like the Barry Sanders ballet yeah. of him cutting and dodging. And you see his knees like even going into these crazy valgus knee positions as he like stops on a dime and goes back the other direction. And it's really incredible because these are positions that we're always told to avoid and he's doing them under like extreme circumstances and he's not tearing his ACL. And it's, it's just really cool to watch it. It helps drive home that point that, you know, the playing field is not perfect conditions. We can be in the weight room and we're going to train for optimal conditions, you know, with a controlled, you know, neutral spine or keeping the knees in line with the toes and things like that. But once we get onto the playing field, we have to be prepared for, you know, the things that can go wrong as well. Yeah. And that's just a, a really cool thing. I'm bringing it back to parkour, like another really quick example is the sissy squat. When you squat down with your knees as far past your toes as possible, this is a very common balance correction that people in parkour make when they land on a rail. And in order to keep their balance on the rail, sometimes you have to shoot your knees way forward, or otherwise you would fall off. And so having a little bit of control, a little bit of strength and mobility in that position is a good thing. Another really good parkour example is uh, the Jefferson curl. So it's basically like doing a deadlift with a really rounded spine, really slow and controlled all the way down to that like piked position. And one by one kind of unfolding your spine back up to a stand. And this is, you know, completely rounding your back. But if you start this out with just your body weight, and then maybe you do it with a PVC pipe, and over many months you work up to like a 35, 45 pound bar, it's actually something that can build a lot of resiliency in your spine and maybe um, protect you against those landings or those impacts where you're um, not able to fully control it. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think all that's it's fantastic. And I, I think that it's just really important that, again, we have the foundation of, I know how to load the system and pull as hard as I possibly can and know that I'm safe. Once you, once you figure what that feels like, you find that balance point through your whole system, then complicate it. Then once right. you find that balance, then complicate it more. You know, but it's like there's so many, you know, you like to see the little old lady or in most most of our cases, like the just normal dude. And they've never actually figured out how to get down and really, you know, functionally pick something off the ground. All they have is that rolled over, you know, knees going in valgus, feet just everything is collapsed. That's all they got. You know, so it's, it's like that's the thing. It's like it's good to be safe in that position. But it's also we need to educate ourselves on what else there is. Yeah. I mean, the, the caveats here are, of course, like you've got that total deconditioned beginner who has their overweight. They have no strength, no mobility, nothing. You know, of course, we're not going to we're not going to work on imperfection training with that kind of person. Right. Because they have so many other things to learn and master first. Right. But if you're talking about, you know, that maybe that younger, more athletic person who's actually starting to progress to some kind of intense stuff. Maybe we want to prep them a little bit for how to be resilient if things go wrong as well. So yeah, this, it's like a, unfortunately it's, it's a really cool idea, but also one that's not for everyone and one that has to be used like very carefully. And that's where of course, like having a good experienced coach and um, all that stuff really comes into play. I think a lot of people who might try to do this on their own might really in, 
um, misinterpret it or misuse it. Yeah. So last thing, we're about out of time. I wanted to, you had mentioned uh, moving to music and Barry Sanders, like the music, all of a sudden it's a totally, it's like, wow, it's beautiful. You can see that connection. It's po- it's yeah. poetic how he's juking these, these huge dudes. You know, it's like, I think it's such an interesting thing for people to be able to like a takeaway, tinker with bringing music into your life. Tinker with, you know, getting some big goofy headphones or whatever you're into, earbuds, you know, and just yeah. walking down the street and jamming out, like getting into that, the symphony that is your life. You know, it's like life, whatever music background you want to have in your head, it's up to you, you know, but I think make it, make it be what you want. And as opposed to just potentially, maybe it's like, you're always playing this sorrow, sappy song. It's just like, dude, shift that back. You know, I have a question though. You know, how do folks start to bring some more dynamic movement into their into their day to day? One of the things that I tell clients all the time, and I heard you mention in another interview that I love, is checking out the ceiling, right? So when you walk into a room, look what's happening yeah. up on the ceiling. When you walk outside, is there a ninja up on a roof somewhere? Like, what's the satellite dish exactly. look like? Like, really observing what's going on in your whole entire bubble that is your life. You know, so yeah. that's, that's like an example that I'm kind of, is there anything else you can think of? It's like, what, what can we do right now? Yeah, I mean, actually, I want to come back to that music thing that you just said, but to answer this question, I think, yeah, kind of just on that same note, like be aware, be more present. Like nowadays, it is so easy to tune everything out. Right. And that's to our own detriment a lot of times. Like we are so unaware of our environment, of our body, of everything. Just because, like, if if I want to check out of society, I'll just put my headphones in, I'll stare at my phone while I walk down the street, I, I get to ignore everyone around me, I don't have to talk to anyone, I don't have to, you know, deal with anything that I don't want to deal with. And that's good, I guess, sometimes. Like, that's a beautiful thing about technology and today's society. However, you know, it's a bad thing as well. Like, I was just at a restaurant the other day, there's like a really long line and, you know, 10 or 15 consecutive people in line were all staring at their phone rather than looking around. And I was, I didn't look at my phone just to spite like right. this thing that I saw. I was like, I cannot be another one of this per- these people in line staring at my phone. I want to be aware. Um, I, so the, I was standing in a line next to this wall and I just kind of like started stretching on that wall and like, I did a couple dips on the wall and, you know, just be more aware, look up. Like I've been on buildings and nobody ever notices except like once or twice a little kid saw us because little kids are the only ones looking up. And as you walk down the street, just be aware. Like if, if there's like a feel something like, is the rail slippery? Is it grippy? Is it wobbly? Like be in touch with your environment. Um, start to look for some, even if you don't do parkour, maybe you could be like, maybe you know somebody who does and you'd be like, hey man, I just, I found this really awesome spot for you to do, you could do parkour stuff at and I want you to, I want you to go try it and check it out. Like be aware of those cool, unusual shapes, architecture, like I'm, I'm like an architecture connoisseur (laughs) without any formal training because I'm so in touch with different surfaces and textures and grips and angles and 
I identify even when I'm driving around, I'm like, oh, that's a cool spot. That's a cool spot. Oh, I've been looking for a spot like that to do this one thing that I was training at the gym yesterday. And it just, it really like connects you back to your city. Like so many things in our city are meant to funnel us in a certain direction or put us or point us in a certain way. And it limits us, it combines us. And what we do with parkour is we kind of, you know, it sounds cheesy, but we're like, taking the city back. We're liberating ourselves. We're able to create our own use or application of what's around us. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so it's, it's kind of like snowboarding or skiing, you know, if you're, or skateboarding, whatever I'm, I don't skateboard. So, you know, picking a line, you know, it's like you come up to some spot, you know, in the trees and you kind of look down. It's like, Oh, great. There's that log. Okay. I can, then there's a little jump there and then blah, 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 blah. It's like figuring out, wow, you know, this is exciting that I get to move through this. You know, it's yeah. not just, it's not just, oh, I gotta get him, I gotta work, oh, God. It's like, no, 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 like, you get to go to work, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> and this kind of brings me back to what I wanted to say about the finding or listening to music and relating music to movement and, you know, everyday life even. I was watching a video the other day, it was super interesting about how Jackie Chan choreographs his action comedy scenes mm. and this guy was narrating and using all this great footage of Jackie Chan and um, some interview clips and everything like comparing how his like Hong Kong movies are directed and shot and displayed versus how the ones in America are and the ones in, that came out of Hong Kong were you know put together in a very specific way where you could actually see the rhythm of his fights. He inten intentionally choreographed his fights to have a rhythm of like, this thing happens and it's boom, boom, boom. And then this thing happens and boom, boom, boom. And then this guy jumps in and boom, boom, boom. And like, there's a rhythm of what's going on in his choreographed fight scenes. And that was intentional. And it's there to create a specific feel and a, a specific, you know, Jackie Chan is known for interacting with his environment and being creative and having some comedy and having some rhythm and just like all these layers of making it more than just like, you know, so many Hollywood movies nowadays are just like, boom, a punch and then a huge explosion. And then it's like shaky camera because these people don't actually know how to fight. So we have to distract the viewer <laughs> by making the camera shake. And Jackie Chan would never do all that because there was a rhythm. There was an energy behind what he was doing. There was an intent. There was a connection with the environment and I thought that was all really cool to learn about because I'm a huge Jackie Chan fan, but I had never really even fully considered all of the different intentional layers that he created in his own action scenes. Yeah. And I think we can all learn from that because even when you're just walking down the street, there's a rhythm to your footsteps. There's a rhythm to the cars driving by. There's a rhythm in your city. And we're all so out of tune with that rhythm because we're you know, tuning in or checking out to our own things. We've got our headphones in, our heads down, and we don't know what's going on and we don't hear that rhythm and that energy around us. And so I think, you know, doing parkour or at least being aware of parkour and maybe, you know, acting like a kid here and there a little bit is something we can all add to our lives to enrich it, to connect back to our cities, to, um, you know, stop tuning everything out, stop being so in control, like let go, a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of lack of control is healthy for us. You know, that's where a lot of your growth comes from right. is when you hit that edge of comfort and discomfort. So I guess that's uh, 
getting pretty philosophical no, here. No, I love it. I'm like random. about to cry, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, there's a, a quote by Immanuel Kant. And he, sa- he says uh, music is the quickening art, you know. And what he and what he's getting at with that is it, the quickening, meaning it, it accelerates biology, it accelerates your mind, it accelerates your just just everything. When, when, when sometimes you, know, you wake up in the morning. Maybe you just fire out of bed. You know, hopefully that's the case. If things are going well, that's probably the case. You know, if not, there might be some things we can work on. You know, but as soon as you throw on some music that gets you excited, all of a sudden it goes, boom, and you start like feeling the coffee and feel, you know, it's like, yes, you start right. moving to that symphony. And the, I, I, you know, more metaphysical nonsense, you know, air, metaphysics there is, I feel like, we are synchronizing ourselves to that music. You know, everything's a frequency. And when you have a music that you inspires you, that you enjoy, you appreciate that frequency, and you bring yourself to the movement of that, you become moved by that music, you're tuning in. You know, you're tuning your own instrument. And I think that we do that, we can do that as well with our environment at all times. You know, if you're in the Amazon, you want to tune in with the nature. If you're in New York City and you want to, you know, be a shark or whatever you want to do in New York City, tune into it. It's a different frequency. It's a different wavelength. And when we can find that balance where we're synchronized, that's when life gets easy. That's when we're going with the current. Yeah, and it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be literally music. Like like you said, there's a music to everything, even if it's just the the noise of the city or the the feeling of impact as you take steps we have a so we teach our coaches this in parkour there's like a hierarchy of if i'm trying to work with somebody to help them learn a movement the first thing that i want to look at in this hierarchy is posture so is their posture or is their position correct if that's good to go the next one we'd come down to is rhythm so what we're talking about as far as rhythm goes is timing, coordination. Are the different body parts moving together at the right time? Are they working individually versus as a whole? Um, are there stutter steps versus long, smooth strides? Are there hesitations or breaks in the movement? Um, all these things kind of go into rhythm. And finally, once we've gotten the rhythm, we're taking it down to the last thing in the hierarchy, which, which is relaxation. So once you've got the good posture, the rhythm, you have to learn to relax, just like kind of let go, like just let it take you. And that's what, you know, that's that flow state, that like true, like the zone or improvisation, like various different names for it. When there's an athlete making something really crazy and hard look really easy, that's how you know they've hit that ultimate level of like, they've got the posture, they've got the rhythm. And then to take it to that next level, to transcend, to get that virtuosity in movement, it's that level of relaxation and learning to just get rid of all that fear, that anxiety, that extra tension, just relax, make it look smooth, make it look easy. And that's the ultimate of what I think any athlete is going, any athlete or musician or, you know, various different things. That's what you're going for. So, um, you know, there's tons of talk about position and posture not so many people are talking about rhythm, but ultimately we're trying to go through those two things all the way down to relaxation and you know hit that zone, hit that flow state. Yeah, exactly. That's that's like the fountain of youth. That's the uh, once you get the the holy grail, which is 
I can relax. I don't need to have tension in this. I just have embodied the movement, embodied the experience. Yeah. You don't need to think about it. Right. You know, it. And it all comes back. I love that we're kind of like, as we're ending, this is exactly what I mentioned before, that the Freud quote thing, whereas like, you know, that oceanic feeling, being relaxed, being moved by your environment, being moved perfectly in sync with it. You know, and that relates to business, that relates to relationships, that relates to movement, you know, and recognizing that movement is an art form. Just the way painting a picture is, every step you take is another stroke with the, with the paintbrush. And the canvas is your physical tissue that you're standing in right now. You and I are both looking at canvases that we've been painting on for the last 20 odd years. Right. So, that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, your body is a tool or an instrument and so many people don't use it right they use their brain to some extent but they don't physically use their body so definitely want to get back in touch with that through parkour through crossfit through climbing martial arts like it doesn't really matter what you do because you know i'm not going to try to convince everyone to do parkour i want you to know what it is i want you to maybe like dabble in it but i don't expect you to be a parkour all-star most importantly i just want people to do something to find something to to go on a journey with because when it comes down to it, like who cares if you learned a backflip or a one-arm chin-up or overhead squat or whatever. It's more like use something as the vessel to improve yourself with. And that's what's yeah. always kept me going in parkour. I think that it's just so easy to draw this analogy of like I overcome obstacles physically in parkour. I can overcome obstacles mentally or philosophically in life. Right. And I can be better than I was the day before. If I couldn't do this move or I couldn't do this exercise yesterday and I worked really hard and maybe over you know a couple days, weeks, months, whatever, I can finally do it. That's like physical concrete proof that I got better right. and I'm better than I was the day before. And in that sense, it's not about learning the new skill or learning whatever. It's just about do something and improve yourself, get better than you were. And yeah, that's... Bam! My main message. Let's wrap this bitch up. <laughs> there's a there's a quote. I love quotes. Uh, there's a quote by Jim Rohn that it was it's uh, your success. He's talking about financial success. Your success rarely exceeds that of your own personal development. There's another quote that I like, which is how you do anything is how you do everything. I don't know who said the second one, but both of those tag along with what you just said. Where do people find you and uh, learn more about what you're doing? Because I think it's great, and people gotta check it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, right now, I'm actually the most busy I feel like I've ever been because I'm trying to publish my first book next month, which is going to be called Parkour Strength Training. So it's it's a little more geared toward like the basic strength training you can do to eventually do parkour or at least dabble in parkour because I feel like that's that's like the gateway for a lot of people who maybe thought they couldn't do it and then they realize that they can or they can do their own version of it. So my book, Parkour Strength Training, is coming out next month. That will be on Amazon and various websites. Um, also, the reason I'm really busy is because I'm trying to launch a new website next month um, called Parkour EDU. So my book is kind of like the strength training, but Parkour EDU will have tons of free content, of blog posts. We're going to have a podcast related to parkour specifically, get some of the, the top parkour athletes and stuff, um, get a voice for them out there. And... Also, we're going to have some digital courses. So our idea was to take our intro curriculum at my gym, Apex Movement, and where so many people have taken this parkour intro course at our gym, we want to make it accessible to somebody no matter where they live. Because 
let's face it, a lot of people don't have a parkour gym or coach to access at this point because it's so young. So we're creating our intro course in the form of a digital online course with video and all kinds of cool stuff so that somebody with a smartphone or a tablet can just go out to the park, um, follow along with our, our tutorials and our drills and whatnot at the park and you know, learn the basics of parkour. Just you know, whether you live in Brazil or India or Australia, you can experience our curriculum and our knowledge so that you don't have to make the same stupid mistakes that I did when I started. Right. And so that's kind of, that's, those are the two big projects I'm working on right now. You can also find me on social media all over the place, Instagram, um, YouTube, blah, 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 all that stuff. Just type in my name, Ryan Ford Parkour. I'm sure you'll find a lot of cool stuff. Cool. Sweet, man. I will release this episode when you release all that stuff. And so we can kind of sync that up, hopefully get some folks going your way. So awesome. check, check it out. All right. Sweet, man. Thanks so much for coming on. And I will see you in Boulder. I'll be out there uh, for sure next summer, unless I die or something, which that's always, <laughs> that's always possible. That's always possible. It's always possible. All right, cool. See you, man. <laughs> podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the, and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.